Hello friend, I am Maria and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, consciousness, and the inner workings of the universe at large. My partner Sergey uses hypnosis to bring me into a deep theta state where I get a chance to connect with my higher self. He then interviews me to uncover a wealth of knowledge about higher realms, celestial beings, and various energetic practices. Enjoy! Today, I would like to talk to you about the mental body. Could you please tell us what is mental body and uh, what role does it play in uh, people's lives? Sure. Um, So the mental body is the fourth energetic body um, of a human. I guess energetic in a very loose way. Uh, But the fourth body available to the human in a 3D consciousness. Um, You know, it is a layer between the emotional and the spiritual body. And it is... um, a very a very expansive body the uh, allegorical way of thinking about the mental body should be um, you know it kind of would stand for the um, air energy in the in the same way that uh, the emotional body stands for water um, the mental body is uh, what you could think of as an intellectual body or the body of intellect uh, or the mind, which kind of is, um, I would say, very obvious from the name of this body. Um, but it kind of goes above and beyond just the intellect space or how you were used to thinking of the intellect of the mind or intelligence in general. Um, the mental body is responsible for receiving and transmitting information Um storing knowledge and accessing knowledge including some aspects of the akashic records um so lower space aspects of the akashic records not the higher aspects of the akashic records because those are only available to the spiritual body um it is also your body that would process the incoming information make decisions based on it and would send signals to the other bodies based on uh, the decisions that have been made. The mental body communicates on you know, all the time with the lower bodies. So it's very, very connected and tied at the hip with the emotional body. Very often your thoughts and your feelings go together as the link, two links of the same chain. Um, the mental body is the most expanded um, of what we would call the lower bodies. So the lower bodies are the physical, the energetic, the emotional, and the mental. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the spiritual body would be considered the higher body. Because technically when you disincarnate, um, all the lower bodies collapse for the most part and you know stay um, in this dimension with very, very few exceptions and very, very few learnings that get encapsulated 
um, and transmit it upwards to the spiritual body, and then your spiritual body is actually what would leave the plane of this planet and would get reunited with the higher aspects of your consciousness back to your higher self. Um, so the mental body, like I said, is the most expansive, uh, which means that, you know, in terms of area or radius, or it would be the, the, the biggest um, of, of your lower bodies. Um, it is the most um, sparsely um, constructed, uh, which means like it's, it's quite literally airy. There is like a lot of breadth to the mental body. Um, there is a lot of space um, that it's able to hold. And um, technically, if you think about, you know, receiving information and transmitting information, um, it is kind of like the antenna type body. So if you were to <laughs> metaphysically imagine um, a sphere with like a little antenna tip on top of the sphere, that could be the metaphysical interpretation or the metaphysical, you know, image of the mental body. It is really truly meant to uh, gather the information from the surroundings and uh, help you interpret what's happening around you so that you can make better decisions. Uh, when I say that the mental body is expansive, I actually mean that it has an ability to um, you know, perceive things that are in your immediate proximity as well as things that are very, very far, physically far away from you. Um, so it would be... Um, you know, it would be processing signals that could be incoming uh, from, you know, faraway planets, as well as signals that are incoming from the uh, kitchen of your house or the, you know, a living room in your house if, if you're in the bedroom. So it's quite, it, it spans pretty big um, distances. I mean, distance doesn't really truly exist um, as far as the mental body is concerned. Um, you know, its um, purpose is to help you um, make right decisions, you know, to orient you in time and space and to alert you of any danger that you might potentially be facing. Um, if you think of your bodies, um, you know, from the lower to the upper, um, you know, I think one important distinction to make is that as we go up, uh, from the physical to the spiritual body, um, you know, the expansiveness or the relation to self versus other really changes. So there are two bodies that could, uh, you know, that strictly belong to the self, you as an individual, the physical and the energetic two bodies. Um, so what I mean by that is that, it, you know, their predominant functions are concerned with your particular incarnation, your life, the flow of your energy. Um, and, and it's kind of like a very um, constricted universe. It, it is a universe of one human, right? So you are pretty much God uh, or goddess as, as far as your um, physical and your energetic body uh, bodies are concerned. When we move up um, to the emotional, the mental bodies, those are relational kind of bodies. That means that um, it is me versus other, 
right? So we have expanded from the construct of me, myself, and I into the kind of like the construct of a bigger society or like a bigger group of people, sometimes a planetary group of people or the galactic family, uh, even the intergalactic family, right? So um, the emotional body explores the concept of me versus other, so deals a lot with relationships, um, your feelings, um, but it's also it tends to deal with things in close proximity to it. Um, and then the mental body, while also being that one of your relational bodies, um, is a lot more expansive than the uh, emotional body. So it would pick up um, you know, on things that are, could physically be very, very remote from you, like a galaxy away from you. And uh, your mental body could still pick it up. Um, so it's still me versus other. And then once we go up to the spiritual body realm, um, that is that concept of unity and oneness where you don't necessarily always perceive, you know, yourself as an integral and separate part of the whole in in the same way that your mental and and emotional bodies would. So it's just a much higher dimensional perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, does that... Answer. Yeah, it does answer my question. Maybe we could just go a little bit deeper. Uh, I want to understand its purpose. You know how with emotional body, we learn that uh, it's like a navigation mechanism. With mental body, it feels like pretty similar, right? It's no? I, I, no, I wouldn't say that they're similar. I mean, they're similar in a way that they help you get to, oriented. Yes. Uh in in the grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. it's very different though like your emotional body always when i when when it when i said it was it it is your navigational body and it's your true compass or your true north Mm -hmm. um it is something that makes you truly you right Mm -hmm. like your emotions you know your emotions could be unique to you or your ancestral line yeah um Mental body is very different. It's receiving information in the moment and adjusting as you go mm-hmm. while holding on to truths that are eternal, right? So the mental body, uh, what would live in the mental body would be your your soul contracts, mm-hmm. um, your vows and the promises that you've given to yourself and others, as well as your ancestors gave, uh, you know, to others and themselves. Yep. It would contain things like your belief systems mm-hmm. uh, about, again, yourself and the world. But it would also, it is spur of the moment because basically once you descend um, into the 3D realm, life happens. And so basically you need your in-the-moment navigation. So the navigation that your emotional body provides is more permanent. Like your truth would never change. For instance, like if the purpose of this life for you is um, discovering benevolence, like true altruism, your emotional body would always remember it. And things that are altruistic are going to feel good and things that are the opposite of altruistic would feel very bad. Whereas the, um, the mental body is, is very different. Um, it is you know, processing something that's happening on another planet and is making a decision on how you should react 
in the moment based on this incoming information. So it's a lot more spur of the moment mm -hmm. than permanent. Uh, your mental body is not necessarily always pointing to your true north. Mm -hmm. um, it is just giving you in the moment decisions based on the short term circumstance. Got it. May then maybe we could just uh, walk through some of the main functions of the mental body. So, you know, there are functions that have been planned and, you know, I would, I would think of them as the functions of the mental body, but it's not necessary. It might not have necessarily manifested for the majority of humanity. So because this is your communication mechanism, um, it is, it is like a, you know, like a personal radio that transmits, right. But also receives frequencies. Um, the communication, for instance, with the higher realms or the guidance, uh, you know, from, from the high realms would and should be possible through the mental body. Like this is your, the body for processing uh, information and, and receiving insight um, and, you know, intuition would actually, like a lot of intuitive hits would be coming through your mental body. And a lot of people actually believe that they come through your, through your emotional body. It's both. It depends like what level we're talking about. So the intuitive hits that, you know, if you're walking into a room and you just feel uneasy, it might be your emotional body reacting to the energy. Mm -hmm. But very often, the intuitive hits that speak to something bigger uh, or, you know, just information that you know out of nowhere, that would be the intuitive hits that you've received from your mental body. Now based on where humanity is the mental bodies are not as developed yet so they don't necessarily act as that you know i guess the, a lot of the information that they receive is never um sifted through to the consciousness so people never really remember getting the insights and i would say 98 percent of the information that is you know trying to get to them they're not receiving it or processing it even hmm. so it's it's a largely underdeveloped body still um compared to some of the other bodies like even uh -huh. emotional bodies in humanity are a lot more established a lot more evolved yeah um i would say humanity is just starting to tap into the mental body but um the so basically um there, there are many functions of the mental body like i said keeping you safe keeping you aware of any danger or any new information that you need to know and to be aware of that's the mental body. So like uh, getting, uh, keeping you in sync uh, with everybody else on the planet uh, to the collective consciousness, that is part of the mental body. There is a collective consciousness of the emotional body also, right? So you have your own and the planet has its own, but also collective humanity has an emotional body mm -hmm. as a species. Uh, same in the same way collective humanity is going to have um, a collective mental body. So you are a byproduct of the collective, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, storing things that are quote-unquote important around the belief system. Um, uh, so, and, 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 you know, your belief systems are very often your guidance system of how you act or the things that you attract or, or, or don't attract in life. So it would be things like, you know, having money is wrong 
right? You know, a, a typical example of a belief system that could shape up your whole incarnation. Um, you know, relationships with money generally tend to run in, through generations. So throughout like lineages. So this is something that tends to be inherited. Um, like I said, storing things like uh, sacred contracts, any promises that you made, regardless of the fact which life it was, you know, would be stored here. Mm -hmm. um, all the shortcuts that help you make sense of what the world is and how you should be acting. Because mental needs to make decisions very, very quickly. It is the body that, you know, has to move with lighting speed. Yeah. Uh, whereas um, the emotional body actually has more time generally. Um, it is something that actually would kick in an instinct. So a lot of the instincts, instinctual behaviors live in the, um, you know, mental body, um, as well as the physical, right? Like mm -hmm. there are multiple different kinds of instincts. Some are more complex and others are simple, uh, but they would live in either the mental um, as a memory of, you know, what should be done given the circumstances or in the physical. It's just like a knee-jerk reaction. Like a knee-jerk reaction lives in the physical, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, your life force lives in the mental in the way that um, basically, and, and you could say that part is, again, like everything is connected to um, the energy body and the um, physical body. But because um, mental also has to do with air, um, your breathing is very connected to uh, the mental body, right? So uh, as an air quality. So very often people who have limiting and restricting beliefs, or a lot of them that are restricted, basically are creating constraints within a body, their mental body that is actually supposed to be very um, volatile and very um, like, it's kind of like the mental body has the structure, but that structure is very loose structure. When you create a lot of rigidity in it by having, you know, limiting beliefs, what actually gets constricted is your life force. By having a limiting belief, you constrict your life force, which means that you cannot live the life to the fullest. You're limiting yourself, mm -hmm. which means that your mental body and the beliefs that you hold around yourself and the world, what you deserve, you don't deserve, how good or bad you are, is going to get translated straight into the physical with um, the constriction in the chest or the heavy feeling in the chest or not the, the inability to breathe fully. And, you know, it's actually one of the issues with humanity today. They're not able to take full breaths. They're, you know, and they're actually largely unaware of that phenomenon. So that's why when, you know, somebody starts doing breath work, it's like, like they're breathing for the first time in their entire life. Because they've never actually felt what it feels like to, to have unrestricted life force inside of their chest. Because in the mental, there are so many constrictions, hmm. right? So like truly, to truly understand some of our physical, some of our physical ailments, we're going to have to go up to the mental and the emotional body to try to understand what the root cause is, right? Yeah. But the root cause of, and, and then you have all kinds of, you know, issues and with, with like 
like breathing, like lung, like any kind of like lung disease or even respiratory ailments. That's why there are so many respiratory diseases on planet Earth. I don't know if you've noticed, but like quite literally, you know, every winter, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's the flu season, right? It's because the flu season is actually the time when the lungs have accumulated so much that they can't go on any further. They need to detox. So flu season is actually a massive detox for your lungs. The reason being is if you cannot breathe fully, uh, your, that out breath is really important because the out breath is a detox breath, right? So if you're not able to breathe in fully, you're not able to breathe out fully, which means that that detox does not happen naturally. So for as long as humanity is holding on to constricting beliefs in its mental body around who they are, what they deserve, etc., etc., they're not going to get rid of flu season, no matter how many shots you give them. Shots is a whole separate different topic, but I yeah. hope you catch my drift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of uh, <laughs> so... Yeah, respiratory disease. Again, like the disease of the constricted force of life. Mm -hmm. It is no wonder that the global pandemic is a respiratory disease. Hmm. What that is calling humanity to do, A, it's a big, massive detox, you know, on one aspect. And we can go on and on about the pandemic. But one of the aspects is the collective detox. Hmm. Humanity needs to release all of the limiting and constricting beliefs. That's interesting. And uh, I think we'll have a separate episode about uh, the pandemic. If you want to. Yeah. Uh, But uh, maybe uh, just as part of this conversation, uh, what is the biggest uh, misbelief or like wrong belief that humanity has right now? Humanity doesn't believe in its own ability to choose. Humanity does not believe in its own power. Humanity feels like their power. So it's basically the victim mentality. Mm-hmm. That's the belief that we're dealing with. For both men and women? Oh, yeah. Both genders feel like they were dealt a particular you know, hand in this game. And there is very little they can do to sway that. Mm-hmm. A lot of humans are being born into, you know... Well, everybody's being born into a particular race and particular religion, into a particular income. And more often than not, they stay in their lane. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you have governments that, you know, use the guise of safety to, for control and for, um, you know, pushing their own agendas. And then, so basically humanity is feeling very, like a victim um in relation to a lot of aspects including disease humanity is feeling completely helpless as it relates to cancer as it relates to diabetes as it relates to an actually new wave of all of these psychiatric diseases that are actually caused by pharma there were never as many psychiatric diseases in the history of humanity until pharma came around um yeah because they need to i mean one of the easiest way to control somebody is controlling through the mental body so you give somebody a mental disease Hmm. so they go in loops got it and uh how how is it formed 
What's uh, what the form? mental body? How is it formed? At like what point and uh, like um, like maybe what powers contribute to its creation? So just like the emotional body, the mental body is formed. Uh, it's like a symbiosis where um, you both your mother and your father contribute, like their lineages. So you actually inherit. Um, biases and prejudices of both of your genders selectively most likely you're not going to end up with like double the prejudice but like it's a little bit selective like generally a child would adopt one of the beliefs around money uh and if if like the 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 husband and the wife say have different beliefs then the child has a pick uh of which belief to to choose but it tends so that like you know like attracts like so very often uh the husband and wife would have the same exact limiting beliefs around money abundance you know etc etc right so like both lineages contribute to the mental body as well as you mean it's a common pattern right now on this planet like you come to this world with the limited belief around money uh it was just the example that i gave Yeah, but there, there right. are a lot of limited beliefs. In general, 3D is um, one of the dimensions to figure out abundance. Mm-hmm. And because abundance has been sold to you as cash, yeah, um, there are so many limiting beliefs around money. Absolutely. Mm, I see. Because people actually have been sold the wrong idea of what abundance is. Hmm. Um, but no, it doesn't really matter what negative like belief or positive belief because like there are you know the belief systems are not all negative or not all positive they're you know sometimes neutral sometimes ever a little bit of everything it like depends right so but yeah. basically you you're asked how does the mental body get formed right. it's a collaboration of your higher self so to speak and all of your previous incarnations right um as well as the two contributing uh, lineages, your mother's lineage and your father's lineage. Um, So, you know, the child would inherit some combination of both. Mm -hmm. So three main forces uh, form the mental body. Mm -hmm. Got it. And um, like how many beliefs uh, do you usually inherit? Oh my God, thousands. Thousands? Of course. Right away? Well, beliefs are shortcuts. Yeah. They're actually quite helpful if they're the right beliefs. Um, Just because there are a lot of external stimuli, right? And uh, humans would be quite paralyzed by decision-making as a process if they didn't have shortcuts pre-installed. So to give you a quick example, right? Like belief systems, like everything around survival... And what is right now is instinctual is actually a belief system. For instance, uh, when, you know, like the prehistoric human was attacked by a tiger, faced with a tiger, you know, more often than not, the right plan of action was to run. It's like it's instinctual. Like you run away from a tiger. You probably are not going to outrun it, but the ones that there were some that ran away. Yeah. Right, and the ones that didn't run away didn't live to tell the tale. That's why they didn't pass on that belief system to the next generation. And then the people that survived the tiger attack were the ones that either fought it or ran away. But to fight a tiger, you better have a weapon and you better be really strong. So running was actually a much better option for the weaker people. 
or the younger people, etc. And so if, you know, there is a relative that survived the tiger attack or the tiger aggression, they would live to tell the tale and they would pass that on as a belief to everybody who, A, they told a story of their survival or B, you know, basically their direct seed, their direct, um, you know, child um, offspring. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So our belief systems are more often helpful than they're harmful. Problem is a lot of them were built as a survival mechanism. So pretty much every single belief you could examine today would be pointing you to this is how we survive. You do X, Y, and Z, you survive. The problem is it's not ultimately all about survival as humanity evolves. There are other things that come full circle. Mm -hmm. One thing is everybody's trying to be happy, right? right? So if you're trying to be happy, survival, I mean, it's a necessary evil, but it's not necessarily going to make you happy. Just staying alive doesn't mean that you're on the path. Hmm. So what that, you know, if, if, if your emotional body is trying to get you to a happy place and your mental body is trying to get you to survive, do you see how they might be slightly at odds? Yeah. The reason they're exactly. at odds and, and, you know, and, and that's like your favorite conflict of the mind versus the heart, right? Yeah. The only reason they are at odds is because the belief systems need to evolve as humanity evolves. At one point, surviving the tiger was all the happiness that somebody wanted. Because at that time, humanity was learning how to survive, survive tigers, potentially. I mean, that's a very, very loose example. Right. Right. Now, humanity is very different. You need to achieve. You need to, you need to build something. You need to have a beautiful family and overachieving kids or whatnot. You know, it, the world has moved on. And yet, like some of the belief systems that we're holding on to are still thousands, tens of thousands of years old. So they're pretty much no longer apply to reality. So they're no longer going to make you happy. So the only way forward is to evolve that belief system and get to a place where the brain slash the mental versus the heart slash the emotional are no longer at odds. They're never meant to be at odds. These are two parts of the same whole that accentuate each other, make each other stronger. Hmm. And the only reason they're at odds is because the mental body needs to evolve. You see, it's never meant to be, it was never meant to be this rudimentary. It was never meant to be based on survival instincts. Hmm. Your mental body was meant to serve as your greatest aid. But for that to happen, on top of your survival instincts, what's missing is the guidance, the guidance system. Yeah. Right? That is one of the faster ways toward, towards evolving. Ironically, that is the gene, uh, that's one of the genes ha that has, that is currently not really activated in humanity. The ability to get like clear word for word guidance as far as like what to do, what decision to make. Mm-hmm. And uh, how how come that humanity is stuck in this old beliefs that are like ten thousand years old? It's because beliefs are actually not so. 
It's a little bit like automatic. Remember how I told you that it's all like a re reflex and an instinct? Yeah. When something mm -hmm. is instinctual, at one point it helps you survive because it kicks in without you needing to think about it. Mm -hmm. Because when it's life or death situation, you don't have time to weigh all the options and figure out, well, do I run? Do I stay? I don't know. Hmm. You don't have time for that. And that's why because they're instinctual slash subconscious, right? You kind of like act first, think later or act first, never think at all, right? Because there are so much ingrained in what you are and who you think you are. Most people are a unaware that they have them, those instinctual reactions, they never analyze them. So they don't never come into awareness for somebody to even be able to fix them. Also, I mean, we're talking like we're wired, right? For survival. That's how, you know, that's kind of like the the number one thing to, to keep in mind as a, as a human species if you don't want to die out, right? So humans tend to trust the collective more than they trust themselves. In this particular instance, it's the collective wisdom of your ancestors. Huh. We're wired to trust the collective wisdom of our ancestors, even though it would prevent us from our personal evolution. Interesting. And uh, how does uh, a wrong belief uh, look like uh, on the energetic level? Uh, if you were to describe uh, the... Uh, there is no such thing as a wrong belief. Mm -hmm. There is a belief that either serves your evolution or doesn't. Doesn't. Yeah. How, how does it look like uh, when you look at it on the energetic level? Uh, it looks like a very rigid, like, it looks like a grid. There's like a very rigid grid with stuck energy in it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to a light, airy grid with nothing stuck in it. Hmm. Interesting. But maybe you could uh, tell me how um, the mental body uh, look like on the energetic level. You said it's like kind of antennas. Yeah, so... There are many ways to look at the energetic body even... Oh, sorry. Uh, there's many ways to look at the mental body on an energetic level. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, everybody you could be looking at could has this matrix-like structure. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. It has this grid system. Yeah. So the same way, like the... You know, you can imagine this as a very expansive sphere that has the matrix grid covering it. And yes, it has this like little antennas all over it, like a little porcupine or like a little hedgehog. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically the belief system. So like if you were to um, actually look at the mental body, there is like, it, it's kind of like steel, silver, bluish. Um, I mean, which which makes sense, right? Because I, I believe these are the colors that you guys associate with the intellect um, and like technology and neurons. Are, it's kind of like the bluish energy. What um, you would see on top of these spikes sometimes is like a bunch of different wires of yellow. Um, so imagine like a sphere that's covered with like yellow wires, and by wires, I actually mean like almost like electric cords, like from your electric appliances, mm -hmm. right? And just imagine like a bunch of them um, and like interweaving um, the surface of the mental body. This is what basically, it's like a 
cord system of, of your beliefs. Um, and it's technically it's separate from your mental body. Like you could detach the stop player and still be okay. Huh. Right. Yeah. Um, but, and, and actually, uh, you know, the, there would be some schools of thought that consider this belief system, the causal body, which is basically the body of cause and effect. Cause and effect is, is is pretty much just the memory of what happened if you did X and what happened if you did Y. And so don't don't dare doing X because Y is so much more optimal. So right, like basically causal is that instinctual guidance system. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. And it's also interesting because when, when you're when you were asking a question, you're like, well, wrong beliefs. Like you asked me about the wrong beliefs. The thing is, depending on what your North Star is, a particular belief can be good or bad. It, it, the same belief can be serving you or harming you, right? Hmm, I see, yeah. Or for instance, if we're looking at an ancestry line that has a belief that... Um, like, if you're a husband or you're a wife, like in the marriage... You should keep your, you know, hurts or wounds to yourself and not share them with a partner, right? Depending on what individual goal the different people in the lineage have, for seven people out of ten, this might be a good thing that this is their shortcut. And for three out of ten, it might be the worst thing that ever happened to them. Mm -hmm. So there is no such thing as a, you know, good or bad belief all i want you to to understand is that every single belief you could have is limiting you so every time you say red is red you are limiting all the other possibilities huh uh but in this in this case if um let's say you don't want to have any beliefs and you want to be like open to opportunities how how do you live this life well you first have to uh examine what area of your life is not up to your standards right yeah and you know whether that's health so anything that's suboptimal about you right health abundance family career relationships relationships religion whatever that is like all aspects of your life right you would always be able to kind of like rate them, like how satisfied are you with that particular aspect of your life, your body, you know. Um, uh, you would, you know, you would always be like, you would always know if it's, you always know if it's optimal or it's not. So any area of your life that you're dissatisfied with would be, it's like a bell. Like if you're dissatisfied with something, say it's an area of relationships, um, that would always mean that there is something off about your belief system. So basically your emotional body, when you're dissatisfied with something, your emotional body is saying, hey, we're not on track. Can we please get on track? And so you would develop, let's say it's health, right? Well, let's take health. It's a, you know, the one that a lot of people have a very messed up relationship with. So you're dissatisfied with your health. And, you know, you might not even be sick. You just don't really feel like your health is optimal. You don't feel 100% healthy. 
um, you would need to go and examine all the beliefs you have around health. I would literally recommend taking out a piece of paper and a pen and writing 50, my 50 beliefs about health. And you would be surprised to see what comes out past belief number 20. Because all of that, 20 to 50, which is, you know, 50 is a lot. So you're going to have to go real deep. And even if you cannot get 50, as you get towards the end of that list, what starts coming up is stuff from your subconscious. All of a sudden, you're bringing it into awareness. Hmm. Anytime you're healing a mental body, the one way to heal a belief is first understand what is the belief that you hold in the first place. B, rewrite that belief to the one that you believe would serve you or would make you happy. Hmm, interesting. So what I've heard is that every time you have a belief, uh, there, there is some doubt. Um, and uh, so basically in order for you to, like, to accept this new belief, you have to truly believe in it. Right. And uh, every time there is belief, uh, there is doubt. How do you deal with doubt? Or maybe it's just another myth. <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know that every time there is a belief, there is doubt. Uh, I wouldn't go and, and say that that is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that subconsciously all humans understand that every any belief that they could hold would limit all other possibility right so there's that concern around you know it's like the flip side of having a belief you know it is a shortcut it helps you go faster but it also could help you go very fast into the very wrong direction Mm -hmm. um we actually strongly disagree that um for you to be able to change your belief you need to how do you say believe in it believe in it it doesn't doesn't happen overnight because you're talking about human conditioning. So whatever your beliefs are, you know, took generations to form them. Right. However, that transition could be instant, right? So like hmm. that yes. belief system that you're rewriting, like you're eroding and erasing the old one and substituting it within you, those seeds can be sawn and, you know, brought up and grown very quickly you don't need generations to change a belief system at all and it is a little bit of fake it till you make it so um there's but also at the same time you know how this is a a universe where you know everybody's always right Mm -hmm. like whether you uh you believe something you don't believe something you're right because every person makes up their own reality. Um, One thing that I recommend with a belief that you're trying to adopt, right? So like, say you're trying to change um, a belief around your body image. And, you know, you're changing it from, I have a despicable body to I love my body, right? It's easier said than done. But basically, you know, first you write it out, like the physical act of writing something is with your hand is a very strong and very much underappreciated 
tool of magic. It is a very magical act to write something down in the same way that it is to read it. So you want to write and you believe, um, you know, anything you write more than 20 to 25 times get really ingrained in your subconscious. And then I recommend reading it out loud. So the so because you want to engage as many senses in that new reality as possible. And then you want to start finding proof that this belief is true. For instance, if your new belief is I love my body, you have to first find the things about your body that you truly love instead of pointing out all the ugly things you don't like. For instance, like you might like your fingernails. So you'll be like, well, I love my fingernails. They're really beautiful. And then you can compliment your hair or your eyebrows or whatever that is, like a small part of you. All of a sudden, you have proof that your new belief is true. So make it like an, an exercise. Make that a practice to find more and more things that are proof that your belief is true. You'd be surprised. Like, you know, you can integrate a new belief within uh, in under a month. Which, considering that it could be a hundred thousand years in the making, the old belief, the new belief is very fast to make. Let's maybe talk about abundance as an example. Uh, how how would you tackle abundance as a new belief well, uh, for well, a person who? Yeah, why wouldn't you be able to tackle abundance? No, of course. I mean, maybe you could just give an example so uh, we understand better. Sure. So like, I mean, like I said, again, first you find whatever limiting beliefs around abundance that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, like money is bad, money is evil. Could be money is bad or could be like there is not enough resources for everybody. Like say that that's your belief, right? Like say that you feel like you don't have abundance in your life because like clearly this world doesn't have enough. If, every, if this world had enough, then everybody would be a billionaire. But look, look at this world. They're not, right? See, that's your belief, right? And and say you want to rewrite that belief into there is enough in this world for everybody. Or you could choose to rewrite it as there is always enough in this world for me. Mm-hmm. Right? So say that is like you have to really get clear uh, with what it is that you're trying to, uh, what is that particular thought form, what is that particular belief that you no longer want And what is the flip side of that that makes you feel really, really good? Your new belief must feel really good. That means that your emotional body is showing you that it is part of your true north, right? Mm -hmm. So let it settle in your body. Does it feel good? Can you reformulate it or phrase it in a way that feels better? You know, so like try on different sentences on for size and pick the one that feels the best. Um, you know, you get around abundance, you could choose a belief like my universe would always provide for me. That might feel better to you in your body than there is always enough for me. Right? I see. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. you could rewrite that belief to say there is more that I have than what I truly need. Like I always have more than I need. Mm. Right? See how that feels. Yeah. Right? So you want to choose the belief that feels the best to you. Um, And then you want to start noticing things that 
you know, are proof that your new belief is true. For instance, the universe always provides for me. You could notice little things like, hey, the sun is shining. It's a beautiful weather. The universe is providing for me today. Or, you know, like start, you know, you, you could want to start noticing all the things you take for granted, like clean water, for instance, the universe is providing for you, right? Or fresh air that you can breathe, the universe is providing for you. You know, uh, notice all the little things or, you know, whatever food you do have on the table, the universe is providing for you. Whatever clothing you have on your body, the universe is providing for you. Right, so move away from the mentality there's not enough to look how much abundance I'm already getting every day without noticing it yeah. and pinpointing it. I see. Anything that you have a lot of. Maybe you, you know, the only thing you have a lot of is books or old newspapers or spoons. It doesn't really matter. There has to be something in your life that you have an overabundance of, whether that's a physical object or, you know, not a physical object. Sometimes there is a lot of snow. Where you live, there is an abundance of snow. Or there is an abundance of rain. Or there is an abundance of trees. Or there is an abundance of soil. Or sand. Or ocean. Or pigeons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You have to find abundance. You have to change your frequency. How your brain responds to, like, the multitude of something. Huh, got it. And uh, what is the main uh, obstacle on your way to this integration? Like, why do people usually fail? Um, they fail in... Um, they stop keeping up with the practice before that new habit is settled. Yeah. So like, you need to have some repetition in there for the new belief thought form to become strong otherwise you're gonna get sucked into the old habit hmm. and the, the old like thought process so probably just you know not having the discipline to to carry it through because your you know your old belief systems like your old um thoughts about yourself in the world they're they have deep roots mm-hmm you know, they're not necessarily looking forward to being eradicated because, you know, some part of you is going to be convinced that this is for your greater good. Hmm. Some part of you is going to be convinced that it is serving you or saving you or helping you survive. But it is more than survive. So you should, you know, establish a contract with your, yourself and your mental body saying, hey, body, I know you're trying to get me to survive in every way possible. But today I want to make a contract with you that surviving is not everything I want to live. And I want to live in accordance with what I came here to do with my greater mission. And unfortunately, this belief is in the way. So you could have and you should have a conversation with your mental body to try to understand this belief that is so ingrained in you and so ingrained in your family. What is it really trying to get you? What is it trying to do for you? So you can ask a question, you know, what are you really trying to get me? And then it'll, it'll start responding to you like, oh, I'm trying to get you safe. Or like, oh, I'm trying to like help you avoid failure. Or, you know, I'm trying to like help you like not look like a fool. 
all of those things are probably an experience that one of your ancestors had <clears throat> or potentially you had in one of your past lives, hmm. which has absolutely nothing to do with this particular incarnation. So, um, you know, <clears throat> once you get clarity around what is it that your body is trying to get you, you can have a new agreement. You can design a new way for your body to get you that one thing that it's looking to get you without necessarily implanting you with a negative belief. So it is like a lot of it is about understanding why your mental body is holding on to certain beliefs and changing that together. It is a collaboration. It is a collective effort. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there anything you can do on uh, the energetic level to like accelerate the process or just help the, the new belief to like settle and uh, have it as a habit? Like, uh, but on the energetic level, like some kind of meditation or practice. Yes, absolutely. So um, you want to examine that area uh, of the grid that this quote-unquote negative belief is, right? Or the belief that doesn't serve you. You want to see exactly how much territory it's taking. Does it go many layers deep or is it very much on the surface of your mental body? Know what color it is what surface area like i said it takes like how many squares maybe right mm -hmm. so you want to examine that that structure that has been formed that rigidity um and then um what you want to do is plant you know that soil with a new seed a new belief that you have you know and again, like try to get energetic clarity around how that new belief feels, you know, maybe what color it is. Does it feel light or heavy? Does it feel hot or cold? And there are no right or wrong answers, right? It's how it's making you feel. Um, and then allow the seeds to be like gently dropped into the same area of the grid and see them, you know, taking root there. Um, and, you know, slowly eradicating the old belief. Mm -hmm. You can do that. Or before planting the new trees, you can, you know, wash away the old belief. And you can use actually, you know, both water or, you know, just wind energy to clean those, um, like, old debris of, of the belief before you plant the new seeds, seeds and let them grow and let them... You know sprout and let them uh just flourish and um, become beautiful and like take hold of that aspect of your mental body nice and uh my next question would be uh, like the origin of thoughts where do thoughts come from oh god where don't they come from i think is a better answer so when we started this conversation, I told you that your mental body is picking up from so many different places, so many different, uh, like close up and far away places. So you could be on, you, you know, like humanity is really completely unaware that telepathy is real and it does exist, but 
you know, sometimes you could be sitting in the meeting and you could have a thought that's completely uncharacteristic of you. Like all of a sudden you start thinking about food and you never think about food. Hmm. It could be because your mental body just (laughs) uh, received a signal from your colleague to the right who is thinking about their lunch, you know, and you're like, oh, you think it's your thought, but no, it's actually like, there is no such thing as your thought. Let's, let's first get that. When you're referring to my thoughts, they're not originally yours. They might feel like they're yours because you might have brought them and carried them over from your past life, or you have, you might have internalized them to a degree that they feel yours, but they don't ever start originally as yours. It is just the frequency floating in space that your little antenna of a body chose to receive and internalize. Now you might be having some thoughts that are very similar um, because, you know, like attracts like in the same way that you tend to become friends with people that have similar type emotional bodies that you do and have the similar emotional range. You tend to pick up on thoughts that, you know, represent the collective state of your mental body. But going back to your original question, so you could pick up uh, from information from, uh, on information from people that surround you, your family members that are alive or dead, right? And they might not even be in your physical proximity whatsoever. You mean the entire uh, ancestry line? Potentially, yes. Yeah. As, as certain things become, you know, come to the surface, yeah. come to the awareness. Mm-hmm. You could be picking up on anything in the collective human uh, mental body like any of those emotions. Um, you could be picking up on um, the emotions of the planet Earth or the thoughts of planet Earth, the frequency that the planet is transmitting. Um, you could be picking up on the frequency of any planet in the solar system or the Milky Way galaxy Sometimes, you know, depending on how developed your mental body is, you could pick up on thoughts from extraterrestrials, thoughts from guides, or thought forms, should I say, because like thought, thought, thought and thought form is the same thing, and all of that is, is just an uh, energetic frequency that contains some, some morsel of knowledge or truth in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an important distinction to make here is, you know, Largely, when we talk about astrology, um, we pick up all of that information through our mental body, right? Mm-hmm. So as certain planets, I mean, obviously, you know, on, on planet Earth, we mostly get impacted by the thought or mental dimension of our own planet, as well as the planets that are in closest proximity to us, which are... Uh, the solar system planets, you know, Mars, Venus, etc. That is precisely why astrology could be so, you know, on point in regards to what you might be going through in a particular moment in time is because, you know, if a large planet is approaching the Earth orbit and coming in closer proximity to the Earth, all the mental bodies of all the humans on planet Earth are going to be more tuned into the particular frequency of that planet. Hmm. Um, 
think of it that way. You know, any planet is a really, really large body, astrological body, right? So it has a, a big mass, right? So in the fact, uh, kind of like, it, it's, it's almost like an irresistible frequency that has a lot of potentiality in it. It has a lot of power in it, right? It's like a, like a thought form of Jupiter has a lot of power and the power is correlated to the mass of Jupiter, uh, like the physical mass of the planet. You can all, all like, basically the thought form of an ant and the thought form of Jupiter are very different and they're quite correlated to the mass, the, the overall mass of these creatures. Mm-hmm. So, you know, although, so when Jupiter comes in close proximity to Earth, Although, in your head, the planet is so far away still, but because the planet itself has so much power, its thought forms can be impacting your day-to-day way more than what your mother just said. Way more than what your father just said. And definitely way more than you give it credit. Interesting. Yeah. And that's why astrology is actually a really fascinating uh, science to study and it could really help you get present to the fact of you know why you're picking up on certain thoughts or why you you know you feel called to do certain things based on the the movement of the planets because ultimately you're still 100% impacted by everything that's going on in the Milky Way galaxy and especially in the solar system it might be invisible but it doesn't make it any less real um let me go back to maybe answering your question because this was a little bit of a tangent, but like where else do thoughts come from? Yeah. Um, thoughts come from... Um, <laughs> just so many different sources. Uh, it could come from egregores. They could come from egregores. So any energetic structures emit mm. thought frequencies, right? Um, if you are thinking a lot about a particular religious egregore, it would generate some thoughts in your head unbeknownst to you, or rather it would, it generates um, multiple thought forms and you just pick up on them. Um, Any creation of humanity, be it a book or song, a movie, a theatric performance uh, has its own mental body and emits certain frequencies that if you're engaging with that particular creation or that particular you know, entity, you are picking up on those um, thought forms. Obviously, people you interact with, as I said, including your ancestors. Hmm. Um, the country that you live in has its own mental body. The, your government has its own mental body. The media, you know, every media channel has its own mental body. Um, yeah, so like, cities have their mental bodies like pretty much everything is emitting a frequency and at any any given point in time you might be hit with over a hundred thousand of different messages per second right yeah and you know your mental body perceives some of them as white noise and you know not worth paying attention to and then some of them it selects and internalizes based on its own vibration. So at any given point in time, there is a choice that your mental body has 
what frequencies to pay attention to and which ones not to pay attention to. So tuning into the right frequencies can entirely change your whole existence. In the same way that turning into the wrong frequencies can lead you to a very to very very bad outcomes. And uh, how do you navigate uh, in like among all these different sources? Um, for example, you want to pick only good thoughts that help you, right? Uh, but you get bombarded with the negative ones. Like, how do you? Yeah. So it's all a matter of frequency, right? Like, like, like attracts like. So you want to get present to the fact that your mental body has developed a crust. Like it literally is like a top layer. You know how like your skin has dead skin cells that need to be exfoliated? Yeah. In the same way, your mental body has all these dirt, debris, dust that forms a thick crust over it. And that thick crust, you know, very much determines what thought form is going to be selected and accepted and internalized from hundreds of thousands of thought forms that are free floating in, uh, in the air at any given point in time. So the first thing that you want to do is remove the crust. So you want to imagine in a meditative state that the top layer of your mental body gets separated from the rest of it. Um, and because as we know, the mental body is breath energy. So you want to work with your breath a lot. You want to work with air and you want to take very deep breaths. You know, you, you take a deep breath in of like life energy, energy of transformation, energy of cleansing, energy of, you know, beauty, love, everything that you want in your life, right? All the light energy that you want. And as you breathe out and detox all the dirt, darkness, all the disease, everything that you don't want in your body, with that outer breath, you want to notice that that crust on, on the outside of your mental body gets separated a little bit. You know, it's kind of like your breath lifts it up. And so you want to do a series of deep inhales and exhales, maybe about 30 to 50, right? To fully detach that upper crust of negativity and stuck emotions and, you know, not, not emotions, stuck thoughts, thought forms. Um, you want to kind of like see that lifted from your mental body. And then, you know, ultimately it'll, um, you know, if, if you create enough air and enough space in between your mental body and this top crust, um, you would start seeing cracks in that, in that, in that crust, right? And eventually if you stretch it enough, it'll just fall away as dust through your breath, right? Again, this grand detox. And then what you could do from there, right? is, you know, again, like going back to that skin, uh, skin um, example, once you exfoliate your skin, whatever you put on top of your skin after really gets absorbed very, very well. So you want to be careful what direction you want to go after. You can actually set an intention of what kinds of thoughts you want your mental body to focus on. Say you're, you want more health for you, for yourself. 
so you could give an instruction to your mental body from now on to pay special attention to thoughts around health, to thoughts that promote health and well-being and vitality, right? Or you can ask your mental body to pay special attention to thoughts or thought forms that are floating out there in the air, to thoughts around abundance and, uh, I don't know, gratitude and wealth and... Uh, having things as opposed to needing things right so whatever you want to focus your mental body on you get to decide and by the way this is not forever you can always change your mind later but whatever you're working on in the moment is is great and by the way you know there you would probably need to do that the type of like cleanse and detox if you're working on something you, if, if you're missing something in your life you know maybe about every two to three weeks or so because through your going through life, your mental body is going to get dirty, so to say. It is going to get the residue from everything else that you're dealing with. Because there are a lot of companies and a lot of people with a lot of agendas that are not your own. That are going to form that you know, pollution huh. layer. Uh, whether you want it or not. So if you, wanna, if you always want to be facing your true north... And always want to be thinking thoughts that are good for you. Having this type of mental body detox once in a while could be a very, very healthy exercise. Hmm. Interesting. So if you want to keep your mental body clean, you have to do this exercise every like two, three weeks, right? Just to keep, keep it clean. I mean, uh, that is specifically if you're trying to change your belief system. I would certainly recommend that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily foresee humanity doing a mental body detox every two to three weeks, to be real. Even if you do this once a year, like a spring cleaning, cleaning, I think it is infinitely better than what I'm seeing today. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay, and... Um... Maybe it just it's a weak question, but where, or like, how did all these thought forms end up in the universe? Like, because you said that that there are no your thoughts, so they were put here, right? And even you think something like super crazy, right? Uh, it was there already. It's not yours. Correct. It was originally created when this virtual reality was created by mm -hmm. the by the original architect. So they've pretty much created every thought form uh, that could possibly exist, or rather the constructs, right, that could form thought forms. So in other words, the architect has created words and some preliminary sentences. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, when you're building the new egregore, you're, you know, or so that like desire of living beings created constructs, new constructs, right? Yeah. So from the original soup and the original ingredients, new thought forms were kind of created, hmm. right? Is it possible for you to have an original thought? If <sighs> Highly unlikely at this point in time, because pretty much any thought you could be having has already been thought. So it is very unlikely, wasn't mm. always the case. Um, it is like a very busy, like if you think about the mental plane, it is a very, very busy highway with every kind of car, 
airplane, spaceship imaginable. Yeah. Right? It does not require any new thought forms because everything has already been created. But it's not to say that like every egregore, every energetic entity does not have thought forms that are um, inherent in what it is. It's almost like they all, like any large company, uh, when they're building their brand, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. they're infusing it with thought forms that they want to be transmitted afterwards. Yeah. It's it's what, you know, very like it's what they call the association realm. The association realm, the associations that people have with brands is nothing but thought forms that those brands, you know, whether consciously or subconsciously attached to their company. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But again, all of those thought forms came from the original constructs that were available inside of this virtual reality. Huh. Interesting. And uh, is there any difference between uh thoughts and ideas yes and uh, what is the difference and uh, yeah where do ideas come from um ideas generally come from um the akashic field um that has not been materialized yet uh if they're truly original ideas if they're copycat ideas then it's a whole different different ball game, right? I'm assuming you're not, you don't, you're not really curious about like ideas no, no, that are no, copycats, no, no, right? No. You're, you're talking about original, original ideas. ideas yeah. yeah. So there, you know, um, maybe before we go here, just one quick distinction um, about thoughts. Um, the only time you could have an original thought is when a new layer gets opened up because of raising vibrations. That's the only time, truly. But it's like you're unlocking more thought forms. So, and that's kind of what's starting to happen on Earth right now, or it's happening on Earth right now as you're going from 3D to 5D. There is like a certain plane of thought forms that has been unlocked. But I wouldn't call them original thoughts, and I wouldn't call them yours. Just just so that we make that distinction. Yeah. Now, going back to yes. ideas. Mm-hmm. Ideas are actual <laughs> it's hard to because they like every idea that you can come up with already exists in the Akashic field as a possibility or a probability because we're all playing uh, according to a set of rules predetermined and you know that determines the possibility within this particular virtual reality system what um, you, you can never have an, an idea that is truly impossible um given the constraints of this vr system like for instance if you're like well i wish humans could fly the whole kind of the the fact that you had that idea in the first place means that it is within the realm of possibility you can never have an idea that is impossible it might just be impossible for right now but it should be possible within the constructs of this reality so an idea is you having a match to a cell in the Akashic field, right, that field of everything, um, that is basically that vibration that you have makes you a match to that cell where this idea, can, you know, is contained. And so you're downloading that. So from that perspective, it could be yours, 
because you are the human or the creature that was able to activate that Akashic field cell that was not activated prior to you, you know, being animated with it. Hmm. So from that standpoint, idea can truly be yours in the way that a thought would never be yours. I see what you mean. Okay, and um, so if you are looking for an idea, right, uh, how would you connect, in this case, to Akashic Records to get access to it? So the precursor to having any idea Mm -hmm. is desire. Desire. Yeah, you have to have desire for something, right? Mm-hmm. But it's always an animation around who I wish, right? Or I want. There's that animation of like, I want X. Like sometimes it is, you know, you want to make something. Or you want to create something that doesn't exist. Because, you know, there's some positive connotation generally for you personally. Or for the humanity at large, right? So there has to be that animation and that desire, Because there is always, in the same way that a question must have an answer, the desire is that first step towards creation. And this universe is infinitely responsive to creative energies. So by you getting a true, like, authentic desire for something, the universe is going to show you a path to getting it. And sometimes that path is via an idea. Hmm. I see. Got it. So as soon as you have a strong, authentic desire, yeah, the universe will provide you the idea. Correct. How to re- realize it. Yeah. Uh huh. Interesting. Got it. And uh, what if you uh, want to expand your? I don't know if it's the right. Uh, way to describe it but like if you want to expand your receptiveness uh, of like good thoughts and uh, good ideas uh, what would you do uh, with the mental body you can imagine that the tipsy little antennas are golden huh. instead of yellow no no the tips were never yellow the tips oh, were, the ports were yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tips were actually more like silvery, bluish, steel kind of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, the like you know the uh, the color of like what when neurons are transmitting electricity yeah. that that color uh, that color that you associate with technology very often this kind of like almost like lifeless, very uh, intellectual <laughs> color. Yeah. So. Um, True creation is actually more gold, gold like gold whitish, in 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 its um, in what it looks like, right? Uh-huh. Um, the energy of creation is very white gold, warm but very like airy and expansive. So um, you can almost like sprinkle the tips of your little antennas with this golden, like dazzling diamond dust. Right, mm-hmm. and you can sprinkle your whole emo- uh, not emotional mental body with that energy, and um, that is an energy of I'm ready to receive, bring it on. But also receiving, uh, you know, something that's in your highest good, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we said that likes attracts like, like, like attracts like, right? Yeah. So if you're willing to receive that such as, you know, going to enable you to create new things or to recreate your life or bring something in it that's missing, uh, sprinkling your mental body with the creative um, energy um, or the creative dust uh, is very, very helpful. Huh, nice. And uh, are there any things you can do in your like day-to-day life to um, like increase the vibrations so your mental body is more receptive like to good ideas? So like it's not so thoughts. much increasing the vibrations, but it's uh, decreasing the traffic. So mm-hmm. um, ideas come from the space that is higher than thoughts. So if you were to imagine layers, um, like thoughts are kind of like closer to your mental body. They're like closer to the ground almost. Yeah. Because they're like lower dimensional energies, right? Thoughts, lower dimensional energies, because their thoughts live in 3D. Ideas don't. Does it make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So because there's so much traffic in 3D, ideas might not always be able to penetrate Uh through the clutter. It's like um, the street is already too busy, too much is fighting for attention of your like little antennas. Mm -hmm. They're not able to receive that golden spark as the one that it's looking for, right? Like the mental body wants to help you. It wants to receive what's going to serve you the best. It doesn't want to do busy work ever. However, when it's being bombarded like 3,000, <laughs> you know, with, uh, like I said, it was like 100,000 possibilities every second, there's just too much noise. So what would be helpful in this case is the meditation where you, you get rid of internal dialogue, you kind of like quiet your mind and create space. This is actually one of the, you know, harder meditations for humanity to master. And that's why, you know, not a lot of people practice meditation is because they perceive this to be insanely boring. And it is, by the way, <laughs> it is boring. But in the particular instance, when you're looking for that one idea to find you, removing the traffic and creating space for it to be able to penetrate is the the right way to go so this is where you would practice silence Mm -hmm. you would practice your internal silence this is you know actually not a bad idea like you know to go on onto a silent meditation retreat because there you would be forced to practice that for days upon days yeah right you could also do that at home, but like, you know, practicing like first 30 seconds of silence, you know, a minute of silence. If you go to up to five minutes, that is generally enough time for an idea to be able to penetrate. Hmm. Interesting. All um, it takes is five minutes of silence. But very like high quality silence. <laughs> Complete. Well, close to complete, yes. Uh-huh. Got it. And uh, what uh, is the role of um, 
like inspiration in this like idea absorption like idea searching process uh <laughs> inspiration for a particular idea generally comes from the same akashic record cell where the solution is so it's like a nudge that comes from the same cell so that it can generate the desire in you to want something so it's like a loop that cell wants to be materialized right it's time for it to come into existence so it would send rays of inspiration upon a certain planet or upon a certain segment of people mm-hmm. and then what it's looking to do is inspiration is that first seed right it's looking to wake and alert somebody enough that they get a desire which is the moving force of creation to actually animate that particular cell sometimes inspiration also happens when a particular entity um that is outside of you generally it's a higher vibrational entity is sponsoring a particular piece of creation like it wants it to be birthed mm-hmm. and so it might send you an inspiration for something with kind of the coordinates of that which you're looking for hmm. that's interesting so inspiration comes first and then comes desire and after that comes the idea so inspiration is something that's outside of yourself yeah. that propels you into desire Mm-hmm. Desire is something that only a human can create yeah. in, in 3D, right? Mm-hmm. That intense desire um, that could light up a particular aspect of the Akashic field and ultimately materialize something that you know only existed as a thought form or a concept. Got it. And this is like how multiple people... Um... Yep. can start working on the same idea because yep. it was just like a seeding process yep. with the, this inspiration. Yeah, because generally speaking, when a particular entity wants to sponsor, like an extraterrestrial, for instance, wants to sponsor the creation of electricity or like, I don't know, movement from a horse to a car, um, because they know that the highway is really, really busy, Yeah, they're going to generally tap into multiple, they're going to try to inspire multiple people at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they would keep sending them impulses with the same idea the same electric hit yeah. and sometimes they send it for years but there's also sometimes like depending on the astrological movement of the planets actually um, it, it could be that the movement of a particular planet is so favorable that it creates a momentary clearing of the highway Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, the nudges that this particular entity has been sending for years are able to penetrate. And they might penetrate multiple brains at the same time. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, got it. Thank you. And uh, maybe one last question is about uh, contracts and uh, promises and oaths. Like, how do they work and... Uh, uh, do they actually 
like beneficial or they can be harmful? Um, I would be, I would tread carefully around putting a stamp of approval or disapproval on, on contracts and vows and things like that, because the answer is it always depends. Um, the reason you hold on to contracts, I mean, is anytime you make a contract or true promise and the promise can be like, um, you know, never shall I ever X, Y, and Z. Right. Or I will always X, Y, and Z. And from now on, I promise X, Y, and Z. All of those things are actually like an order to all of your systems and all of your bodies. It's like the ultimate truth. It's like you just wrote your own constitution and passed it into law. It is like the promises that you make to yourself, the vows that you make to yourself are the strongest Uh Um, and they always get stuck or placed or positioned in your mental body because it's like you don't want to forget you just made a vow right so you always place those inside of your mental body very often if there is a sacred contract like you know a particular soul is committing to do something else for another particular soul they would knowingly place that inside of their future mental body so that it serves as a reminder. Now, there are vows and there are contracts that are serving you and then there are the ones that are not. For instance, making a promise to say there's a husband and wife and the husband is going to war and the wife is making a promise to wait for them and to never marry, right? Now, it is a conscious choice that, made in a, that is made in a particular incarnation. What would end up happening is that that guy dies, right? She already plays that promise inside of her mental body. And when, the men, when she dies in this particular incarnation, that mental body disintegrates. But the promise is going to go up in her spiritual body. Uh, and it would most likely be stuck to her next mental body when she incarnates and this woman would you know choose a life of being alone right Hmm. she would reject all of the advances and all of the men but it's actually because of the promise that she made to her husband like in the in the past life right so in this particular instance this contract is not beneficiary to her but because the promises and the vows that we make to ourselves are in our subconscious she might not even know that that could be the reason why she's alone at 40 right so there are vows that serve us and promises that serve us and then there are promises that don't Hmm. and um, is there a way to identify the ones that don't serve us That is a very hard thing to do for an average human. However, if you're trying to figure out if there is a vow or something that's holding you back, generally it would, again, be in an area of your life that you're not happy with or that you feel you're not satisfied with or you're not living to the fullest. 
So say again, like that could be an area of relationships or an area of romantic love or an area of fatherhood or motherhood or whatever aspect of your life you're not satisfied with. What you could do is say a little bit of a, I don't know, call it a spell, call it a prayer. But you basically want to say something along the lines of, as the sovereign ruler of my own body and my own destiny, I sever all the vows and all the promises that I made to anyone in my past life or my past incarnation or any of the vows that my ancestors made that is in my power to sever. And I choose to take control of my area of say, relationships, health, whatever that area is, back from today onwards. And so just that action and that proclamation alone is going to sever the oath, sever the vow that does not serve you your highest good. So in other words, you don't need to know what it was for you to be able to take that back. Hmm. You don't need to know that three lifetimes ago you promised to love your husband or whatever and it, he died. Like, that is not necessary. Like that can still remain in your subconscious and yet he could still have the control over that area of your life. Hmm. Got it. And uh, like knowing this information, how can you use uh, like a promise uh, to your benefit? Like is there, <laughs> is there a way you can... It is a very, very powerful magic I wouldn't mess with. Yeah. I just wouldn't mess with because it's very hard for you to know whether that's going to be to your benefit or not. Right. And you also don't, you know, it might be to your benefit this lifetime, but not in the next lifetime. And it might do more harm than good. Yeah, it's just uh, people usually do it uh, unconsciously, right? Or just... It's both. Emotionally, right? And then, boom. There, When the promise is made, it's quite conscious. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. It is quite conscious. You don't at the moment know or think that it is like a sacred vow yeah and that it is going to quite literally govern your future you don't think of it that way but like when you make that promise it's quite conscious and it generally sounds like never shall i ever starve right never shall i ever kill a human or um i will forever love him or her you know when that is being said, mm -hmm. it is quite literally like said either out loud or uttered. How do you think like family curses work? They don't, they don't all like that black magic. It is like a vow that you make. Like for instance, for as long as I live, I'm not going to have peace until X suffers. Hmm. That is a generational freaking vow. Your ancestors are going to have to live through the, through the consequences of that. Oh, well, yeah, it's pretty powerful. Yeah, so I would be very careful casting spells like that. Because even though it might serve you in this life, it might not serve you in the next life. Hmm. Got it. All right. That's cool. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this information with us today. And uh, now I'm going to end our session. 
I'm very grateful for the information you provided to us today. I'm asking the higher self to visit to where it belongs. With much love and much thanks for the help and information it has been given Maria today. I know she's really going to appreciate it. Now I want all the consciousness and personality of Maria to once again return and fully integrate back into the body completely.